is Coach MJ. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Mission I'm Possible show. Today, we have Mr. Todd Crandell. He is a survivor of some of the worst points of life anyone could ever get into. He has suffered the suicide of his mother at the age of three, gotten into cocaine and alcohol addiction in high school. He has been homeless. He has been jailed. He has been out of luck. And yet, somehow, he found his way back to earth. He found a way up the ladder. And he is now setting examples for millions of people who were following him by doing his Ironman programs. And he's not done one. And he hasn't done five. And he hasn't done 55. He's done over 100. And this guy is just unstoppable. So I want to just be grateful that we get a chance to meet Todd Crandell today. Thank you so much, Todd, for coming on. I'm excited. This is very cool doing it from my lovely basement here in Maumee, Ohio, but ready to go. So uh, first of all, I just got to compliment you on the color of that bike because that's pretty nice. I'm pretty, I'm pretty afraid to get on a bike because you know people might not see me and whatever. But you know, you can see that from space. It looks like. <laughs> yeah, when I'm out doing Ironmans wherever in the world, if I'm riding that one, yep, you can be seen. I've got a a bright orange one, black, white, kind of matches whatever the the scenery is. Let's say, right. But you know what? Let's start with that. I the bikes I ride, the, the house I live in, the being able to do this with you. This is all because I made one choice to stop using drugs or alcohol back in 1993. And from that one choice, I put a lot of effort into being able to do what I'm fortunate enough to do today with you know my story and my program racing for recovery. And it's just it's great. I'm very thankful for my life. Well, you know, we, we've done a little bit of background check on you just to kind of do some pre-show research. And you've written some books. You've had some documentaries done about you. I've watched them myself. Uh, totally, totally a big fan now, Todd, I have to say. But tell us, I mean, you know, back in, you say back in 93, um, when, you, when you got off the bus, um, tell us what it was like before you got off the bus. What was your life like? That's great. I've never heard it put like that. I'm going to have to steal that from you. That was good. Um, prior to that, it was 13 years of misery. And when I, you know, the drug addiction, let's just say this, I, I did it all of whatever was there and any amount I could do. I think that pretty much sums it up. And if there's specific questions, sure, I'll answer them. But I'm really my life now is about focusing what happened when I got off the of that proverbial bus, as you as you described. I got my third drunk driving charge. I blew a 0.36, I believe, at noon. I, I think it was like a Tuesday or something. And I could have killed somebody driving like that. So first of all, just that right there is enough to celebrate you know, God's grace, my mom's grace, who killed herself from this stuff, uh, Buddha's grace, whatever you want to say, I got a, I got a wake up call and I, I heard it. I answered that call and I stopped. Uh, my life was in complete shambles at that point, as one can attest. However, my mindset was that's over. I got a lot of cleaning up to do, and I know I'm going to do something in my life. I had no idea what it was. 
I didn't even know if I cared what it was at that moment. I just knew I was going to do something other than drugs and suicidal thoughts and all that stuff that I had done for 13 years. Greatest day of my life. Because it yeah, gave and me. We're going to get into what you did and what you're doing now. But just for the benefit of folks out there who might be listening to this as a podcast or just watching this on our YouTube TV channel and saying, you know, I wish he'd met my brother, Harry, or, you know, my cousin, Linda, because they're still in it. I mean, these chemicals, whether, you know, you call it having a drink uh, are poison and the, the, the other drugs, which seemed like fun at the time. I mean, we were all teenagers, so we, we know what, you know, the word recreational means, but they have a, a very powerful way to take over a person's personality, the persona, their motivation, and bring them down a, a, the, the world of illusion. And, and basically, that's how people get lost. Is it right? You hit some key points right there. Let's talk about that. You, you use the word recreation. For some people, they can recreationally use this stuff. For me, that word never existed. Never. I, the first time I tried alcohol, I was 13. I took a couple sips of beer. I didn't get drunk, but something switched in me. And when I talk about that switch, there's a genetic predisposition to alcohol and drug addiction, to suicide, which not only did my mom kill herself, my uncle killed himself, my aunt killed herself. And I battled with suicidal ideation basically my entire life. Those are not, I never look for excuses. They're reasons to explain potential behaviors. So the suicide of my mom left an emotional void in me that as a young kid, I, I couldn't understand intellectually, but I felt it emotionally. So here's the difference between a recreational person and someone who has uh, the genetic predisposition factor like I do. A normal person can have some trauma in their life and they can have a couple of drinks and they can stop. For me, I never I never knew what that was like. So, for example, the second time I ever drank, I drank an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and took speed along with it. So you can see, you know, how quickly that genetic predisposition ignited. And for the next 13 years, I want to say two things, and hopefully somebody who's struggling with this or their families can understand this. For the next 13 years, I didn't have any fun. Addiction was not fun for me. It was a, a way to self-destruct because I didn't want to be here. The second thing I want to say is I never had one or two of anything during those years. It was full on. So back to somebody that would go to a bar and have a couple of drinks, I may start doing that, but I'm going to end up in Georgia a couple of days later and not know what happened. And that, that literally happened to me on one occasion. So there's a difference between recreation and addiction. And I don't ever want a family member who has a loved one going through this saying, oh, it's recreation. They're going to grow out of it. It, it may kill them. And I, I need people to understand you're not you're playing with Russian roulette a lot of times with this. What about people who are going through this, who who mask it, who, um, you know, they, they there's a word called functional, I guess, where they they go to work and then they they go into place where they can, 
you know, continue to drink or, and, and, and they're still in this kind of depressive mode, but they're continuing to drink because that somehow numbs the pain that they're trying to hide or their mask. I, I personally don't understand it. I'm not a, an expert on it, but I do know people who, again, have not made it across. Another good point you're bringing up. I'm I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, and I have a oh. master's degree in this, so I can diagnose co-occurring disorders. I can't write medications, and even if I could, I don't know if I'd entirely do that. But you're talking about again a, a word that's cliche a lot: a functioning alcoholic. And I like to say, well, you're getting by, you're muttering through, but you're not really functioning. It's more of like how good could you be if you weren't doing this? And then we have to get back to why is a person choosing to sit in that bar and try to function? And usually in my line of work, they're coping with unresolved trauma or they're coping with emotional disturbances that they don't know how to handle properly. Hence the food addiction, the drug addiction, the sex addiction, the, the whatever addiction. People are hurting out there. I encounter it every day and they don't know how to understand the impact of that hurt. And unfortunately, they're not getting clinical, educated and licensed assistance to help them cope with that effectively. And that's what I do as a clinician. And that's what my program Racing for Recovery is all about. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's really good information. And we're going to turn the page now because, you know, the the trampoline that you stepped onto once you got off the bus, it's just incredible. And you've been jumping ever since. Let's go ahead and unpack that bag. Well, let, let's do this. You mentioned turn the page. So we got to talk about Bob Seeger for a minute. I mean, hey, come on. Hey, yeah. listen. My man, Bob Seeger <laughs> and the Silver Bullet Band. I've seen Bob with my parents a few times over the years, you know, and it's been it's been an experience, but good song, and and I love Bob Seeger. Anyway. Let's talk about music because music and sports have always been a part of my life, even during addiction. So when I got off of that bus, I love how you brought that up. I immediately jumped into the things that helped me as a kid. Uh, they helped me cope with a lot of emotions as a kid. They got me by during some very dark moments in addiction. So on my first day of sobriety, I was doing push-ups, drinking my grandma's smoothies, and listening to music. And those are staples till still to this day that I utilized. I, I knew I needed to take care of myself physically that would enhance my emotional, intellectual, and spiritual journey. And again, part of Racing for Recovery is to help people live a balanced, holistic lifestyle. So I jumped off of that bus, immediately got into physical activity. And obviously that's carried over into my my Ironman triathlon career as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Ironman. Uh, you know, when I, when I see the number of Ironmans that you've done, can we just break it down? Can we talk about one Ironman? What what does it take for you, or what did it take for you to to first of all go? What this is a this is an incredible. No, no, I've never done this. No, I can't do this. What what did you go through? The power of the mind is a beautiful thing. And when the power of the mind is used to self-destruct the way I did, it's a devastating thing. But for me, when I took that same tenacity that I used to destroying myself and I put it into bettering myself, that's when things switch. So 
I was a former hockey player as a kid. And when I got sober in 99 or excuse me, 93, I had a couple of my buddies were like, Hey, why don't you pick up your hockey career again? And I I managed to make it to the semi-pro level. And I thought, okay, I could have done something with this, but let's move on to the next physical and adventure, if you will. And I had to go back to seeing the Ironman Hawaii back during my drug days. I saw it on television and doing a bunch of drugs or whatever. And I said to the guy I was sitting with, I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to do that someday. And he's just like, are you crazy? Look at yourself. So that was the seed that was planted. Nice. Stepmom was an avid marathoner and had done a couple of triathlons. So I always admired her. So in, in 1999, about six years into my sobriety, I signed up for Ironman Florida down in Panama City. Didn't know how to swim, didn't own a bike, and I hated to run. But I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Let's bring it, it up, man. Let's do it. I'm all in. That's it. And that's that's my mentality with anything I do with education or family, whatever. It's like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing all of it. And I remember saying to my dad, hey, I just signed up for the Ironman. And he goes, you don't even know how to swim. And I was like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I, I did. And I've done, you know, what, 109 of them now. So it seems to be working, I guess, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they do say that aliens exist, but uh, it, it it is definitely superhuman what you've done to me. Uh, that's just incredible. I mean, I have I don't have enough hats to to tip uh, because, you know, you've 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 just gone over and above what anybody would ever expect. In fact, nobody would have expected anything, particularly where you were, right? Yeah. You know, that bunny sitting next to you. Yeah, sure. Look at you. You're going to do Iron Man, you know? And, and you know what? If you, and I remember that. I, I do. I And I, he was right. In my condition back then, it, it would, it's like, are you kidding me? Look at you. However, and this is what I want people who are listening to your awesome show to understand. You can change the power of the mind, it starts with one thought. And for me, it was, I got to, I'm going to quit doing drugs. That was it. And it led to not only doing Ironman, you know, but I had a beautiful family at that time. By doing Ironmans, it led to our local newspaper covering my story at that point. And the response from that newspaper article was overwhelming. And I thought, wow, I, I can do something with my life to be of service to other people. And in 2001, that's when I formed Racing for Recovery, which for the you know past 22 years has really fulfilled my life's purpose. So the Ironman, it, it's not an addiction for me. It was a, a thing to do that led to finding my life's purpose that now I get to live in that life's purpose. And that to me is like winning the lottery, man. It's awesome. And are you, are you, uh, as the founder of this foundation, are you living off of the sponsorships and are they providing a, a livelihood for you? Is this work uh, supporting your family? Well, we're getting into some, some touchy subjects here on a personal level. You know, I, I lost a, I don't want to say I lost it. I gave up a pharmaceutical career which is, seems kind of ironic based on my former lifestyle. But, it you know, does, Todd, <laughs> it does. You know, but I, w- I was selling a drug for external genital warts, so there's no problem getting addicted to that, right? <laughs> Hope uh, not. 
but you know, I, I was making good money. I was doing the right thing in society's eyes, but I wasn't healing on the inside. And in fact, to be brutally honest, I was suffering from depression and suicidal ideation worse than my sobriety at this time that I ever was in my addiction because I just, I hadn't found myself yet. I was doing some things, you know, I had a, a bachelor's degree and was wearing a suit and tie and had a house and it looked good on the outside, but on the inside, there was a lot of work to do. So forming racing for recovery in my closet, you know, for 15 years, I ran this thing as a, as a nonprofit, which it is, we didn't have sponsors. I, I was just trying to do some good. Just right there ringing the bell. Right. I, it's like, it's not about money for me. It's about doing my life's purpose. And it took a lot of work to get here. Uh, a lot of work. It was 15 years of grinding, but it paid off because in 2016, we really started doing the business side of drug and alcohol services. And that was having the ability to, you know, bill insurances and have a facility and have hired clinicians and turn my dreams and my concepts into a full-on business. So it's been really running well for the past seven years. And I'm thankful for that. We have oh. 20 people working for us and things wow. are good. Wow. Well, it's not just good for you. It's good for the rest of the world because yes. here you are. I mean, who, who would be a better ambassador of on the bus, off the bus than you? Well, I'm an example of what can be done in sobriety. And I'm also an example of when you could admit where you're hurting and know you need some help and continue to work on self. Good things continue to happen for self that allows you to be of service to others who can do it for themselves. I mean, right now, as we're doing this podcast, the business of racing for recovery and the hundred people that live with us and receive clinical services from us are getting help right now. That's an example of success to me. It's not about money. It's about being able to do what I need to be doing, including sharing this story with you that maybe somebody can benefit from. And are, are you right now, you have a facility where you have uh, people who are suffering from alcohol or drug abuse coming in for rehab and or whatever you would call it, treatment or? Correct. We have, uh, we use a, a local residence that uh, it's like a, I want to say a mini hotel, if you will, or like like a condominium, like where businessmen stay on travel. Yeah, we house up to about a hundred people on on a regular basis, and then they come across the street to the Racing for Recovery building for clinical, licensed, educational services to help them better themselves. So, Racing for Recovery is all about including families into treatment. We're the first program to ever do that in a support group meeting format. And then we broadcast it live on a, a live stream support group meeting globally for people. But we are doing, again, clinical services to help people heal from their trauma and then implement a balanced lifestyle that they enjoy living in. Not that they're just not drinking, but they enjoy not drinking and they enjoy the life that they had. And that's that's powerful. You know, you, you mentioned earlier that sometimes when people are using alcohol or they're using drugs, they're somehow masking a trauma that they have yet, yet to have dealt with. Um, sometimes they might not even know what that trauma is, I think. And then the other thing is, is that 
I don't know what it was like for you growing up, but I know what it was like for us growing up in my era. I'm just a, a few months older than you. And, and I think that, you know, we as men, we couldn't ever talk about our problems. You know, we, we couldn't, we had to like suck it up and whatever it was, you know, deal with it and, you know, just get by. So there was no, you know, there was no uh, kumbaya moment <laughs> or opportunity to say, you know, I need help. It just wasn't because either, you know, you're a winner or a loser. And there, there wasn't anything in between. Oh, oh, you're an addict. Well, definitely you're a loser. We'll see you later. Bye. Yeah. Let's talk about the men and women for a moment that um, have served and are serving and, and will serve for this beautiful country of ours. You know, every 22 minutes, one of those beautiful souls is taking their own life. and we we as uh as a society we see that and everybody's like oh my god that's terrible and i agree my my question goes to why did that happen and look what they're going through in some of these horrific things ptsd leads to depression anxiety and they're they're not getting the proper help with that and they feel that they can't overcome it and unfortunately they check out and that same concept is applicable to the young kid right now who maybe unfortunately is going through sexual abuse or he's being bullied or his um, his parents got divorced and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And then he's looking for ways to cope and someone offers him a cigarette or a drink and then a genetic predisposition kicks in. People need to stop looking at obesity or drug addiction and say, you just need to stop doing that. We already know that. We need to look at why are they doing it in the first place and help them understand and cope effectively that then they can turn their lives around and be productive members of society. I'm not I'm not insinuating that a kid who's been sexually abused for 10 years in his youth is going to get over that, but he can learn to cope with it to stay alive and thrive in his in his sobriety. And I just go back to this moment, this this crystallizing moment you had in 1993 where you just stopped yeah. one day, drank smoothies, did push-ups, and were on your way to a new and better life. What was the, what was the, what came together? What, what forces of nature brought you to that point, Todd? Well, I, for me, all of this really goes back to my mom killing herself. If that didn't happen, I wouldn't have felt what I did. I wouldn't have done what I did to try and cope with how I felt. And gratefully, it wouldn't have led to me drinking and driving that day and getting a flat tire, pulling my car into an oil change facility and walking into that facility and urinating all over the floor during business. And here's the good side of that. Now, just picture that moment. Somebody just staggering into a place of business and urinating all over the floor. And here's some good and bad in this because it's really resonating in the past couple of years. There was a kid working there who saw that. Fast forward about 10 years, I'm on a radio show in Detroit talking about this story and promoting my first book. That same kid who heard me, heard me or saw me, heard me on that radio show and called and got help at Racing for Recovery and is doing well today. On the other side, the guy that I was drinking with for a couple of days when I got arrested 
he unfortunately overdosed from heroin as I was getting ready to do a speaking engagement at Michigan State a couple years ago. And the guy that I was calling for help in that oil change facility who actually came and picked me up and saw me get arrested, he unfortunately died from a drug addiction a couple years ago as well. So it, it's so, I don't even know the word to describe it. It's not ironic. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful message from whoever you believe in of what can be done and really looking at circumstances in our life and understanding why they're happening and giving us an opportunity to utilize them effectively. That's how I can look back at that moment in my life and really see the significance of it. Powerful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is very powerful. And and I just wanted to try to amplify that moment because it, it basically you decided it was your decision to take a right, change direction. Um, I am 100% believer in the power of choice. I'm, yeah. I don't believe in being powerless over drugs and alcohol. I took, I took the power back. I yes. empowered myself. I made one choice to stop using drugs and I've consistently made that choice to remain sober for over three decades. That's a choice. It's not a disease. It's not I'm helpless and powerless and all that stuff. It's I'm empowered. I'm out there doing it and you can do it too. Yeah, I love the message and and you're a great example for doing that. Tell us more about what's in the works now. What's what's going on? Uh, what's in the future? You've got a new book coming out. You've got some other speaking engagements coming up. You've got uh, your the anniversary of your mother on the 23rd of September. If you're watching this after this episode, you'll know that you could probably look that up and, and check out and see how Todd did. Of course, he's going to ace it. But tell us a little bit, Todd. Go ahead. Well, I just finished my fourth book called Do No Harm. It has the uh, cover of my pet pig Milo on the front. It's a plant-based book about the benefits of eating plants, what it does for our bodies, our environment, and saving millions of, of of animals in the process. We just released that. When I finish my, uh, it'll be my what, 111th Ironman in Jones Beach on the 54th anniversary of my mom's suicide, September 23rd, we're going to complete my coffee table picture book of the history of all the Ironmans I've done around the world with the description of some of the things I've learned in different cultures and so forth. And I'm just going to continue Working as a uh, clinician at Racing for Recovery, there's a feature film in the works. There's a documentary that's coming. There we go. Blah, blah, blah. A bunch of good stuff coming. But the main thing is I'm fulfilling my life's purpose at Racing for Recovery. Yeah, and you're a beacon of hope and helping to point the way to help other others navigate out of, out of the point that they're in right now where they just can't see how to get out of it because they've accepted this is how I am. This is what happens. I've tried recovery before. It doesn't work for me. All of those uh, statements and all those belief systems are out there and people are people are taking ownership of those and they can take ownership of your uh, new mantra, which is with the mind, you can do anything. That's true. I went, Let me use fruit as an example with respect to uh, drug treatment or services. Great. We're kind of told when people suffer from addiction, you're told metaphorically, you have to eat bananas or you're never going to reap the benefits of fruit. And if you don't like bananas, you're never going to make it. And that's the end of it. That's just not true. 
some people may not like bananas. Okay, they they may try them. They may try them repeatedly and they just don't like bananas. How about a strawberry? How about a raspberry? How about a combination of all of them? So we can't say that there's only one way of doing sobriety. And that's in fact, the title of my second book. There's more than one way to get to Cleveland. If Cleveland is sobriety, there's a myriad of ways you can get there. And that's what racing for recovery is. We offer a concept that is applicable to an individual way of attaining it and sustaining it. So those of you who have tried the traditional ways of doing things with sobriety, i.e. eating bananas, and you don't necessarily like them, that's okay. Come to Racing for Recovery and get a strawberry, and you'll be all right. <laughs> how could uh, how could uh, anyone right now driving in their car listen to this? How could they reach out and get in touch with you? Could you maybe just provide a website, just say it out loud so that they might be able to remember? Is it racingforrecovery.com? It's racingforrecovery.org. And okay. if they want to get a hold of me on any social media, I am the so sober ultra man on Instagram. I'm on all the social media stuff, and so is racing for recovery. You're uh, the sober ultra man. The ultra sober ultra man. I've I done a couple. It. I love it. That's 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 the name of a superhero named Todd <laughs> Crandall. Yeah, life is good. That's the hey, listen. You've got a great Def Leppard poster behind you. You got to be a good guy. You got good, good taste in music. How about the Motley Crue one next to it? Oh, yeah. But you know, as long as they can drink smoothies, I'm all, I'm all in. You know, I've met those guys, uh, both bands over the years, and they, uh, the Def Leppard guys, are into juicing and and smoothies and stuff. And it's very, it's interesting to talk to these guys now in sobriety versus back in the day when right, right, right. That way, right? I went out to the Deepak Chopra uh, health in San Diego years ago, and I was learning primordial meditation and doing a, you know, a whole health thing for three days. And I found out that one of my favorite rock bands, I won't say their name, they had just been there the week before doing a heavy detox. And you know what? Uh, health is health as well. Well, we're all learning that health is well. And uh, gosh, right. you know, after my journey, I've just finished, and and then looking at you, I mean, you you just you just radiate this uh, enormous amount of charisma for help, and I, I'm I'm so grateful to have a chance to meet you today and hear more about your story. Can you give us a little bit more insight about the new book? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm working on the the picture book, and it's going to be titled 100. Uh, that's coming. I'm also working on a, a business book. It, God, it's my sixth book. That that's going to be like how did how did I create this whole thing called Racing for Recovery? But the Do No Harm book is, you know, I went plant based on February 1st of 2016, and at how old was I at that point? Uh, 51, something like that. I, I just found like another gear, like a whole other world opened to me. On not only a, a physical level, but got a, a an emotional level, an intellectual level, an energy level. I'm more vibrant at 56 than I was at 26. You know, it, eating plants and only plants is I, I I cannot describe the benefits enough. Wow, they're in do no harm. It's a phenomenal book. It's all factual stuff on the benefits of eating plants. It'll change people's lives. We can reverse cancer, reverse diabetes, heart disease, 
all the things that are killing us, if we eat some plants, man, the impact that that can have, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good book, 550 pages of just powerful life-saving information. I'm really proud of that book. Well, definitely we're going to put the links up when we put this out so that people can have a chance to see and then order those books. Like, Are they on Amazon? Yeah, you know, I've written four of them. They're on Amazon. They're on racingforrecovery.org. And they're they're different than a lot what a lot of people are going to think about recovery. And as a lot of things I've done in my life, I'm not the norm. I like to kind of take my own route and have others relate to that route and find their own route in the process. But there there's some powerful information in our books and movies for sure. Well, I know that you now are you know looking into doing more keynote speaking and helping influence organizations and. The message that you have is not only about, you know, coming from addiction and finding a way to recover. The message you have is, is about how to overcome any obstacle that could be in your way. And companies can take that metaphorically and go, well, you know what? We haven't been able to crush this number because we've had a barrier. And now we might be able to think about a different way to do it. Um, we might not use bananas, as you said before. We might you know, we might build a staircase of strawberries. So I think you've got a lot to share with organizations who are opened up to not only uh, feeding their teams uh, emotional wellness, which is a big part of your wheelhouse, but also uh, to, to be able to look into the P&L statements of companies and go, well, how'd you like to do more? How'd you like to impact uh, your customers more? How'd you like to impact your your teams more. So I think those are the things plus that you have. Anything else you can think of? I love you bringing this up because you're you're right. I've done about over 500 speaking engagements, but mainly they've been at schools and some colleges. I have done some, some professional organizations and you're right. You know, I'm a business owner now and I want my staff. I mean, nobody works for me. Everybody works with me. But if, if I'm running a business, I want to get the best out of the people that are helping me run that business to achieve our goal. And th that's not just being able to show up and automatically do a good job. It's what you're doing outside of the job that's going to, to enhance what you're doing at the job. It starts with, you know, being sober, eating well, exercising, you know, believing in whatever you're believing in. That's what's going to, re you know, increase your business. And I think a lot of times people are, they're not getting that. They want that. They want productivity, but they're not really sure about how to get pro productivity. I'm your guy to help you do that. Right. So it sounds to me like if your employees, and we'll call them employees just for the sake of, of arguments today, looked at their role in life, their contribution, more like a professional NFL player, um, the off the field behavior has to be congruent with the on field behavior. They have to be ready and 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 the, their intake mentally, their intake and what they read, their intake of how they feel attitudinally, as well as the nutritional, as well as the workout, so that when they present themselves to your clients who are there for rescue, <laughs> there's there's some belief that 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 could actually happen. I'm not a huge football fan. Uh, let's talk about Jerry Jones for a moment, right? He runs the Cowboys, obviously. 
do you think he's going to let somebody put on a Cowboys jersey that hasn't prepared to put that jersey on? There's no way. Because yeah. if he puts a bad product out there, and let's let's be honest here, the Raiders are better than the Cowboys. I'm just saying, uh, you know, the fans aren't going to support it. So we have to start looking at things like this in life in general. Even if you're a parent, you want your kid to be the best. Well, are you feeding them a donut and an energy drink for breakfast and then expecting them to pay attention to school and get good grades? It's not going to happen. But we're, we're, we're not equating health with productivity. And as a, you know, a speaker, that's what I bring to organizations. It's let me help you and your staff be their best that you can do whatever you're doing to the best of your ability. That's what we're all here to do. Yeah. Yeah. And just one final shot here as we wind up today. I'm, I'm so blessed to have had you as our guest. Todd, can you, if someone is in their car, they're driving, I'm going to go back to this again. Um, they have someone that they truly love. It could be a friend or a member of their family or somebody who they just can't reach them. They just, no matter what, they're just unable to reach them. They they want them to 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 seek some help, but the, the person is just has has not had that eureka moment, that awakening. What what could they possibly do for a family member going through this? Anything you are being asked to do by your loved one, I want you to take a moment and ask yourself a question: Is what I'm about to do for my loved one is it helping them to continue their destructive behavior? or is it helping them to better themselves? For example, somebody calls and says, hey, I, I need 50 bucks, I'm really in a jam. Can you give me 50 bucks? Come on, you know, I'm doing, don't give them the money because you know where it's gonna go. If they call and they say, I just got arrested for my third DUI like Todd did all those years ago, take me to rehab, please, I'm ready to go. I don't have a way to get there. I'll be there in 20 minutes to pick you up. That's the first thing that, because so many family members are doing things that they think are helping and they're actually hurting. On our Racing for Recovery YouTube page, there's a lot of our podcasts on there where I interview families and success stories. Watch some of those. Learn what worked for the family. Learn what worked for their loved one that brought families together again. Do not give up hope but start to learn what your role in their recovery is. And the main thing is, it's not to save them. Let them save themselves, that then you can assist them when they're bettering themselves. That's different. That's paramount for families to understand. Powerful words, powerful. And a powerful story from Todd Crandall. Thank you so much, Todd. Uh, it's been a blessing having you on the show. We look forward to seeing you uh out in the field doing more Ironmans and inspiring more people and keeping it going with all the good uh, power behind you there and, and the great attitude that you have. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.